Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, incredible podcast family. I hope that wherever you are in the world that you're doing amazing. We have a tremendous episode for you today. We have Steve Glaveski, and we are talking about his new book, Employee to Entrepreneur, How to Earn Your Freedom and Do Work That Matters. Uh, Steve is a very successful entrepreneur. He hosts an incredible podcast, and he's built up several successful businesses himself. So uh, this is a very... um, practical and important podcast for people who are in business, who want to be entrepreneurs, who are thinking about being an entrepreneur. There is a ton of practical advice in here. Um, We talk about the six M's. We talk about um, why $70,000 US is usually enough and it doesn't increase your happiness. Um, Prioritizing your most important tasks in the 80-20 rule, the the four-hour workweek book, um, creating a customer profile, the book The Alchemist, um, why Plato said no philosophy before 30, the work of Gary Vee, uh, four powerful questions for overcoming fear. Um, we, we reference Marcus Aurelius, Carol Dweck, the five F's to lead a meaningful life, and Steve's best piece of it, uh, business advice. So there's a ton in here I'm reading through, and that was only uh, a portion of it. You can also check it out live on YouTube. I want to thank all of you guys who have been supporting the podcast. The best thing that you can do is one kind act today. Um, if you wanted to share this episode, take a screenshot on Instagram, tag myself at Matt Belair and Steve. Let us know where you're listening, um, what you liked about the episode. That's epic too. And Patreon, thank you so much for my patron supporters. It really helps and goes a long way. So if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and toss a buck in the bucket. It really helps and goes a long way. I want to thank my podcast sponsor and partner, the Himalaya podcast app. They're an incredible app. They're free. They're easy to use. And it's basically designed for the podcast listener in mind. So it's really easy, fun to use. Um, there's a great podcast community over there. You get recommended playlists. So you can make playlists uh, and they take customer feedback. So check them out. And when you're over there, make sure you follow the master mind, body and spirit show when you're over there and you can find them at h-i-m-a-l-a-y-a over on the app store and um over on android so that's about it um For those of you guys who are interested in coaching, I am doing more coaching in 2019, also more speaking and workshops. So if you want me to do a training in anything from spirituality, consciousness, meditation, mindfulness, flow state, peak performance, uh, how to live a fulfilling life, entrepreneurship, marketing, all of that stuff, everything we've touched on on the podcast, I've designed a few courses for entrepreneurs and I've 
Geez, I've designed a few courses for those people looking uh, to get out of their nine to five, how to create a life for their passion. And they're very specific. And it's been awesome to see people get really incredible results and shift in a few months. So if you're interested in some coaching, some training, you want me to speak to your employees, um, whatever the case may be, hit me up at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or just send me a direct email at matt at zenathlete.com. So that's it. I'm going to leave it there. Um, Thank you so much for listening. And uh, before we get into today's episode, let's stop whatever you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day, just coming to a state of total peace, total contentment and self-empowerment. And now we're ready to get into this incredible episode with Steve Glaveski. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is an entrepreneur, author, and podcast host whose mission is to unlock the latent potential of organizations and their people so that they can create more impact for humanity and ultimately to lead more fulfilling lives. He is the co-founder and CEO of Collective Campus an innovation accelerator based in Melbourne and Singapore that works with large organizations around the globe. His company has worked with the likes of Telstra, National Australian Bank, Clifford Chance, Microsoft, and many more. Collective Campus has also been home to and incubated over 100 startups which have collectively raised more than 25 million US. He is the author of the forthcoming book, Employee to Entrepreneur, How to Earn Your Freedom and Do Work That Matters, being distributed globally this January by Wiley. He hosts the Future Squared podcast, which won the 2017 Australian Podcasting Awards People's Choice Award in business category. Welcome to the show, Steve Glaveski. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matt. Man, if I could pay you to follow me around and give me introductions like that wherever I went, man, I, I would. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Some, sometimes they don't go well. I like to like read them over. I even had to shorten that. You have done yeah. an incredible amount of work, man. Like I'm excited to get into this. Let us know a little bit about your background and how you got to do what you're doing today. Yeah, sure. So man, I, I grew up always going against the grain. Like I was always fond of the underdog, whether it was supporting Charles Barkley against Michael Jordan's Bulls in the 93 NBA playoffs whether it was being a massive heavy metal fan growing up with hair down to my waist and all that sort of jazz, I've always been enamored by the underdog. But then something went wrong. I took a detour in my early 20s and became a corporate executive for about 10 years. So the long hair got very, very short and I I traded the Iron Maiden t-shirt for a suit and tie. And um, I found myself in that world working for the likes of Ernst & Young, KPMG, like big consulting and accounting firms. And you know what? It was okay for a few years. I, I guess you could say that I had some trappings of, of success or at least society's conventions of what success looks like, you know, the salary and all that fun stuff. But after a few years, I found that the learning curve tapered off and more than anything else, I started to feel myself feeling, I guess you would call it miserably comfortable because I was comfortable, but I was also miserable at the same time. And that's when I started asking questions and perhaps starting, that's when I started to reconnect with that underdog mentality um, that I had back in my teens. So 
So, you're gonna keep going? Huh? You're gonna keep, I didn't know, I was, I was doing something, you pause, you're gonna keep going? No, I, I, I was waiting for you to come in with the question, but I guess oh. <laughs> on the back of that, so the past five or six years, I've been in the entrepreneurial domain. Um, whether that was with my first startup called Hot Desk, which I'll talk about shortly, or with Collective Campus and the podcasting, which has prompted me to write this book, Employee to Entrepreneur, which you mentioned in the intro, it came out last month, it's been out for about four weeks. It's going really well. I mean, it gave me an opportunity to go on a bit of a book tour across uh, the West Coast of the States, during which time I got to watch the Golden State Warriors and uh, Joe Rogan at the Comedy Store. A lot of fun, a lot of fun. But um, the reason why I wrote this book is because there's hundreds of thousands of people employed in the corporate world, many of whom are in their 20s and 30s. They join these organizations. They are ambitious. They're hungry. They're talented. But they get put into roles that don't really align with their natural strengths, inclinations, and whatnot. But they look around and they become institutionalized and they think this is the way it's supposed to be. So work just becomes something they have to do. They end up just living for the weekend. And that potential lays dormant forever. And that's not only their lost opportunity, but it's the world's lost opportunity because if they actually channeled that ability and applied it to something like solving problems, creating real value in the world, times thousands of people, the world benefits. And currently, uh, people are just falling victim to false purposes, um, which something is something that Robert Greene talks about in his new book, The Laws of Human Nature. A false purpose is when you do something because you want to satisfy society's expectations. You're doing it for money. You're doing it for attention. You're doing it for ego validation. But you're not doing it because it really aligns with your true calling, your true being. Um, and that's something that uh, the book tries to get people out of one way of thinking and into a very different way of thinking. So, that's a real quick sort of 5,000 foot view of me and, and what I'm about, but I'd love for you to let me know where you want me to take this because I can go in all sorts of directions. Yeah, man. Well, I figured you, that's why I expected you to keep going because I was like, look, like, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff there. Um, you know, it's interesting because today I actually did uh, just a random YouTube live video on um, like the balance between chasing your dreams, like that heart centered thing that you're inspired to do that fills you up with practicality. Yeah. I am naturally not practical at all. I'm like, you were just <laughs> like, you know, the rebel, but I never got into the corporate world. I was snowboarding, traveling the world, adventuring, just like just doing whatever I wanted. But on the practical side with my friends who have families and they have people that need to take care of and all this different stuff, where is yeah. that balance? You know, how do we move towards that? So um, I guess I would just start there. What would you suggest for somebody? I think there's like two groups of people and I like how you're um, aiming this to, you know, young people that are in the corporate world. And also like when you're going to university, what the heck do you want to do? Why are you spending all that money? You Is it to get a job to make money? Because that's, pretty ridiculous. You know, Alan Watts calls it absurd. He's like, if you go to a place to make money, you're absurd, like work towards a vocation. But I understand why you need to do that. So I'm just wondering if you can speak to like how you would start that process from scratch. Uh, in terms of determining what to do in the first place or to get that balance so you can live and make money as well. Yeah, I think it would, I think it would apply to both. Yeah. So one thing I look for, when you, if you're about to embark on some kind of an entrepreneurial venture, um, yes, you want to do something you're passionate about, but passion alone isn't enough. Like You need to combine that with an actual purpose that the rest of the world resonates with or resonates with the rest of the world, um, and also something that makes money. So I like to talk about the six M's uh, oftentimes, which is one, it's got to make money. It's got to be monetizable. Now, it doesn't need to make you 
a millionaire or a billionaire. It depends on how much is enough for you. Uh, Daniel Kahneman, the um, uh, behavioral economist, found that 70,000 US dollars a year for any one person is usually enough. And beyond that point, you make more money. Happiness doesn't necessarily increase in line with that money. But we need money to survive and to you know, buy things and trade and live uh, a full life, right? So money, uh, mindset is the other thing I would reflect on. Like, do you have the right mindset? Are you okay with adversity? Because entrepreneurship is really difficult. And if you're going to do it, you need to have the right mindset uh, to deal with all the setbacks and the rejections to get past all the no's to get to yes. Uh, the next thing I would look at is uh, mastery. Do you know enough about a particular subject area to get into it? Because, you know, I... I love to go for, for a surf, but I know absolutely nothing about the craft of building surfboards, maintaining surfboards, all that sort of stuff. And for me to start a surfboard company probably wouldn't work really well um, because I know nothing about the craft, right? So what do you actually know about? Fourth, you want to look at market validation. A lot of entrepreneurs jump to conclusions. They just go out, they build some kind of an app or a platform, those 20,000 thing. And then they'll release it and maybe spend another $10,000 on Facebook ads and nobody uses it because they haven't spent enough time up front determining who's the customer, what um, is the problem I'm solving, and do people actually uh, really buy into the solution? Are they willing to pay for it? Like these are all important questions. Um, and I said six M's, but the, other, the fifth one really is, the, without going all to the sixth one, I mean, the fifth one really is around mission. Um, and do you really buy into the mission? Because I've built startups where I didn't really buy into the mission. And when things got tough, I got going and not going in the right direction. Uh, but if I believed in the mission, I would get up day after day after day with the spring in my step. I'd be in the gym nice and early and I'd show up to the office early because I was inspired by what I was doing. So you've got to have all of those things um, when you are embarking upon business. Because if you're just looking at mission alone or something you're passionate about alone, that can lead you down potentially the wrong path. Having said that, man, we were chatting before we hit record. If you're, on the other side of that spectrum, and you're just thinking about money from day one, then you could be looking at a very narrow set of things, right? Sometimes if you do something you're passionate, you build an audience in that space just by being doing cool things like climbing Everest like you did and um, you know, visiting temples in India and doing all sorts of fun stuff, uh, snowboarding and whatnot. You can build an audience. And then once you have an audience that believes in your message, that likes what you're doing, then you can find a way to monetize uh, that audience. And that's something that Neil Patel um, big online marketing guru talks about build an audience then figure out a way to sell to them. Uh, on the second part of that question uh, around the balance, man, so many entrepreneurs, I actually wrote an article for a Harvard business review. It's called the case for the six hour workday. Uh, because I find so many entrepreneurs, man, that they take pride in working 12 hour, 14 hour days. Uh, and I think more often than not, that's, that's their hiding behind, veil of work to avoid confronting themselves in the real world because you can work all day and say yeah i'm just working i'm working i'm, I'm, I'm building my my future and that makes me feel good but what about all the other aspects of your of your life you know your relationships your uh exploring the world adventures uh fitness health mindset um these are all really important things community um that a lot of people neglect so how do you time back when the case for the six hour work day i talk about the fact that not all tasks are created equal. 80-20. You know, 80% of the cars on the roads in any city are on 20% of the roads. This applies to business as well. 20% of your tasks will create 80% of the value. So prioritize, focus on those high value tasks. 
Um, you also want to automate. Today, we've got automation tools coming out every week. Most things that are a step-by-step -step process, you can automate them. You can use platforms like Zapier to get one tool to talk to another tool rather than taking, say, email signups and manually exporting them and importing them into another folder. Automate that stuff. And if you can't automate it, outsource it. Like outsource it uh, through Upwork or something to someone who is willing and happy to work for $5 an hour. That will get you maybe 20 hours, 30 hours back a week, if not more. Uh, and that's, that's how I spend a lot of my time. And you know, you said I'm doing all these different things, but I very rarely work past say three or 4 PM nowadays, uh, despite that. And I have a lot of time left over to enjoy getting up on the stand up comedy stage, trying to surf, like spending time with family and friends, all that fun stuff. So there are, there are ways to go about it. Man, you said a lot of practical things there. I really, <laughs> the six, <laughs> that's what I, that's what I try to do. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, well, and it seems like you're kind of like the living example of the four hour work week. I, I read that a long time ago. And, um, do you, did you agree with some of the philosophies in that book? Yeah, man. Uh, I, I read the four hour work week around 2010, 11, and, uh, it was one of the most, uh, transformational books I've read, uh, in my, in my life that along with two or three other books, it, it really showed me that it's not as difficult as you think it is and that you can get started while you are working full time uh, with some kind of a side hustle. And that's how I got my break. Um, I was working full time for an investment bank and I mean, I was essentially hating it. And what happened was I built a prototype for this idea I had called hot desk, which was like an Airbnb for office space and meeting rooms, $2,000 on the prototype. I then Googled how to write a press release and found all these, basically read the press release, found email addresses from Twitter. So looked up all these journalists and put together a spreadsheet with 100 email addresses. I then just proceeded to email them the press release one by one by one. Like now you can automate this shit, but I just did it manually. And how many do you think actually got back to me, Matt? <laughs> of the 100? Of the 100? Yeah. Like 20? Whoa, man, you're, opti you're an optimist. I like that. <laughs> one, one got back to me. And uh, it just so happened to be one of the, an, a journalist from one of our biggest national newspapers here in Australia. And um, that got picked up in the Macquarie News. My manager saw that. Which, so that was like a, a daily email that gets sent to all the employees in this bank, 14,000 of them with every mention of the bank. So this article mentioned that I was an employee working on this side hustle. So my boss was like, hey, tap on the shoulder. What's this all about? It's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just a little side project. You know, I'm a, I'm a banker till I die, right? But um, three months later, on the back of that article coming out, investors saw it. We had a few conversations and I raised not a big amount, but it was about $150,000, which was enough for me to say, all right, let's, let's give this entrepreneurship thing a go. And uh, I haven't looked back uh, to the corporate world and I don't think I'll ever go back unless that world fundamentally changes the way it goes about value creation and also tapping people's potential. 
Wow. Nice, man. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty hilarious story. Well, you, you said a lot of things there, like in your example that I think are really helpful. Like it's not as hard as you think it is. It starts with mindset and you can do it with a full-time job now. And I think that one of the examples that I've kind of shared recently on the podcast is like you have this idea or something that you want to move towards, but you do zero of it. You do zero of the creative part of the, you know, um, it's like going to school and then you also play a sport on the side. It, it takes effort to do those mm -hmm. things. Um, so I think what happens is we just stop imagining first. We, we, we don't even think about what we would do. And that's where most people are. It's like, I don't even know what I do. Great. Start there. What do you like? And just start yeah. brainstorming because you have a whole lifetime to figure it out. But don't think that it's impossible because that's, you know, you kind of get beat down by your own hamster wheel cycle and you don't do anything. And you're like, you know, it's impossible. Then people like you, and other people will, will do it and then it'll be, it'll work. And then the people around them will be like, Oh shit, that actually worked. You know, <laughs> and it inspires more people to do it. So what I really like about what you're doing is you talk about, um, you know, how to do your freedom, uh, do work that matters, like that has meaning that has impact. So can you talk about some of the principles in your book? Because it talks about, um, technology, psychology, philosophy, economics, mindset, mindfulness, productivity, and even fitness. So it's very well-rounded and I like that yes. kind of thing. So maybe you can talk <laughs> about some of those principles. Yeah, sure, man. So uh, a couple of things I would probably start with is, you know, 96% of entrepreneurs, startups fail. And the number one reason they fail is market failure, which means they're building stuff that nobody wants to buy. Uh, the two biggest pitfalls they're falling into are uh, jumping to conclusions, so like I said earlier, spending too much money without testing their idea and then paralysis analysis, which is kind of like what you just talked about where people got these ideas and, but they're not sure it's the right idea and they spend all their time planning and researching and Googling stuff online, but not actually doing anything. Now, both of those pitfalls can be avoided just by experimenting, right? So quick, rapid experiments. So basically by focusing on what are the assumptions that underpin your idea being successful or, or not. Um, which of these assumptions is the highest impact and which are you the least certain about? They're the things you should test. So to give you an example, if it was say 2008 and I was building a company called Uber, my biggest assumption would be trust. Like if, if people don't trust getting into a car with a stranger, then the business model falls over. So instead of jumping to conclusions and building the, the whole platform, uh, onboarding hundreds of drivers, uh, doing all the marketing, what I would do instead is that's the highest impact assumption. It's the one I'm most uncertain about. So I'm going to go out on a Saturday to a busy taxi rank and I'm going to ask people, hey, I say it's a busy taxi rank. I can get you home now uh, in this private car for $20. Um, here's a piece of paper that shows you that this person's not a crazy person. They, 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 they check out yes or no. And just ask 50 people in that queue and see how many say yes. Now that's a very low fidelity way to test whether or not that assumption is true or false. Now there's going to be heaps of people that say no with every new idea. You have early adopters who are on board, but then you have what you call laggards. Now they're going to wait for the early adopters to get on board before they even think about getting on board. So that's another mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make. They think we need this to work for everyone. No, you need it to work for like the first five to 10% of your eventual market. Um, so identifying what that profile looks like and targeting them. Um, so by running experiments in that way, in a low fidelity way, it means you learn a lot faster than your competitors. And by learning a lot faster, 
you get to success much faster. So that is one of the biggest things I would, I would talk about around avoiding the pitfalls and ending up in the 96% of startups that fail. Um, on some of the other key principles, you kind of talked about it there. Like so many people I'll speak with and they will say things like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. Um, or I haven't got the a perfect idea yet. So firstly, there is no such thing as a perfect idea. In fact, uh, I like to refer to Paulo Coelho's book, The Alchemist, um, in which a young shepherd goes on a journey looking for treasure, but ultimately learns that the treasure was at his feet the whole time. But he wouldn't have discovered that if he didn't go on the journey. So with an idea, put it out there, you start working on it, you start speaking with customers, you start speaking with people in the market, you get feedback, and over time, new opportunities present themselves that would otherwise have not been obvious to you if you just pontificated all day about the idea, right? So even if you haven't got the perfect idea, even if you don't think it's the right time, just get started, you will learn along the way. The other piece, if you really don't know what you like, like to me, if, if you're 30 and you don't know what you like yet, it's like, dude, what have you been doing for the last you know, 30 years? Uh, in order to develop a passion, a purpose, to see things differently, you've got to collect a lot of dots. Um, so that's basically experiences, whether it's going to lots of different places, hanging out with lots of different types of people, reading different types of books, listening to different types of podcasts, reading different blog posts. The more dot collecting you do, uh, your brain starts to do a lot of pattern recognition. And then in your sleep, you, it starts connecting these, uh, the, these, these dots. And that's how you come up with new ideas. That's how you wake up in the morning and think, huh, that's an interesting idea. And you know, while you're going for a jog, huh, there's another idea. Now, those ideas don't come unless you collect the dots up front. So collecting the dots, going on the journey, even though you haven't got the map, essentially, um, and rapid experimentation are three big things, uh, three big principles uh, that come out of the book. Awesome, man. Yeah, I definitely agree with all that. And I think that the experimentation is, is really key because um, I can't remember how you, you phrased it, but we, we get stuck. We don't want to do anything. I think it's that first initial push into it. So how do you like, uh, if let's say you go into an organization and I see what you're doing. Um, as I read the bio and looked at it, how much of an incredible impact that could mean you have all these intelligent kids, you have all these intelligent people of the world, you know, and they, we all live in communities. We all live together and some corporations are helpful. But most of them, you know, probably not making a great impact on humanity, more or less. So if you had an idea in your mind to provide a service for other people that would fulfill you, obviously the universe and spirit, and I say it like the law of the jungle, would support you in some sort of way. But you gotta, you're going to be the one that brings that forward. So how do you kind of like, I don't know break through the mindset of either like a young person that just got a job at a hundred K a year and they're all set. Now they got a Mercedes and their friends are like, yo, check that out. And they pull it up real slow in front mm -hmm. of the bar. You know what I mean? So everybody makes sure that they saw, yeah. I, drove, I drove my boss's Ferrari once selling cars and I totally did that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. blame you, man. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell all the guys out there too. If you get the Ferrari, none of the girls care. It's only the, it's it's the guys. It totally doesn't work. But how do you get out of that mindset of like, you know, if we could empower these young people and people out there to do something meaningful and impactful in the way that, that they created, it would, it would be impactful for the community, but for the world, like entrepreneurship mm -hmm. has the power to change the world. So how do you help them with that initial mindset? 
That's a, that's a great question. I mean, initially, I find the lowest hanging fruit is the people who already are thinking differently. They're already breaking out of that because it's much easier to work with them and to give them that extra push that they need. Uh, because a lot of people, you're right, they, they haven't even thought about the alternative um, because our worldview is very much informed by uh, upbringing, past experience, societal conditioning, environmental conditioning. Um, so for a lot of people, they're driven purely by what other people around them value, um, which can be the, the status, the title, the job, the, the money, the Ferrari, whatever it is. Um, and if you're suddenly going to tell them, well, all this stuff doesn't matter, you've got to chase your purpose. They'll look at you weird. Like, what, what, do, you, what, what do you mean? Look, I've got a Ferrari in the garage, man. What are you talking about purpose? I'm, I'm killing it, right? So it's much harder to have that conversation with them. And, and I'll be uh, truthful about that. Um, that, that. That is essentially what it is. And, you know, Plato talked about something in, uh, in the Republic. He put forward the idea that no philosophy before 30. And the reason he said this is because in, in his view, most people hadn't gone through enough hardship before 30 to really ask those big questions around what should I do with my life? What's the meaning of life? Why are we here? All that sort of stuff. And in my case, I had, I had the same thing, man. Like if you had told me when I was 24 or 25 to find my purpose, I probably would have not, thought, not known what you were talking about. But after spending another few years in that space, feeling frustrated, uh, day after day after day. I mean, it's like what Steve Jobs said, you know, if you wake up day after day after day and you look in the mirror and you're like, well, I don't like who I'm becoming or I don't want to do what I'm going to do today, then it's time to ask questions. So for me, I got to a point where I was like, man, I, I don't, you know, I was standing on the say railway station platform at the end of the day, catching the subway home and thinking, the hell did I contribute today? Like I was at, off, at the office all day doing stuff, but not really creating value. And that's when I started to ask questions. So I think unless you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So people have got to be ready. So I, I tend to work with the people who are, you know, they're kind of walking over to the, to the water, they're nearby, they're, they're looking over, wondering what it is, and I can kind of guide them to the water and help them drink, essentially is what I do. But if people, the other way people haven't even thought about that into uh, that sort of headspace is by showing them what's possible. So that's writing books. It's, it's, it's people like Gary Vee who are out there to spread the message through Instagram saying, Hey, you can do more with your life and people who are trying to spread a positive message because by identifying what people value and then using those values to inspire them, that's how you can go a long way. So people like, you know, if people do value money, hey, that, that's fine. That's, that's what they value. But they can see someone like Gary Vee who's killing it, who wants to buy the New York Jets. So they might think, wow, entrepreneurship, maybe I should pursue that. Look at Gary Vee, you know, he's going to buy the New York Jets, that kind of thing. Um, and so they'll pursue that. So there are different ways to get people out of that, but it's about speaking to what they value. Um, the one thing I will say, uh, you know, I love Gary Vee's mindset, his, his, his uh, attitude, but I think he, I definitely wouldn't, invest 14 hours into, into work uh, like, like he does, I think there's a hell of a lot more in life to explore. So I will caveat that by saying that because I don't want people to just mimic what he does. I think, you know, great business person, but I'd rather be a complete person across every single dimension of life. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, again, you touched on a lot of really important principles and I think like the balance thing is uh, important and also 
for the people that need a kick, I feel like it, when I navigate the world, I'm constantly confronted with people that are like, oh, I've been doing this, but I'm considering this thing that really inspires me. And I'm in those conversations quite a bit. And I kind of be, usually I'm like the push over the edge. Well, if it's meaningful to you, go for it. And so, you know, when you're doing that, it's frightening because maybe you have people depending on you. You're letting go of everything you knew. Like this, this show also has like a religion and spirituality and some people are mm -hmm. deeply religious and sometimes they let go of that idea with new information. It's really challenging because all their friends and culture and everything is around that. It's a belief system. And the same thing with providing for your job, having a good job that has benefits, that does this. Why would you throw 100K away? You've got your mom and dad, you know, they're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, some, some people anyway. So for those of people who you're trying to support here, um, what are some like, like how do we get over the fear? I think that's the big thing. How do you get over the fear and some practical ways to move towards that? Mm -hmm. uh, so I will channel Tim Ferriss here when it comes to overcoming fears. Uh, three questions he, he tends to ask is one, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, second question is, am I okay with that? And the third question is, well, how can I mitigate against the worst possible outcome? And it's actually, there's, there's four questions. The fourth one is, well, if the worst possible outcome happens, how quickly can I recover from that? So it could be something as simple as say, say you're single and you like the girl of someone, like the look of someone on the street. And, but there's something inside you, you just, you're just too scared to go up to this stranger and introduce yourself. But if you actually frame it around these questions, well, what's the worst that can happen? Well, they say no. Uh, can I mitigate against that outcome? Yeah, maybe you can figure out something interesting to talk about, not just hi, and then just freeze. Um, and then the fourth thing, if they say no, how do you recover from that? Well, just remind yourself that your whole identity isn't revolved around what this one random person said about you and yet you can just carry on knowing that hey at least you had the guts to go up to this random person and introduce yourself like that takes a lot of courage um and so when you frame it like that the fear you realize it's just a concoction of your mind it doesn't actually exist it's, it's not warranted um and so in business for example when i went on that journey and you said you know i walked away from a hundred thousand dollar salary and my parents were like what the hell are you doing you know you, you worked so long and studied so hard to get there but it was like, well, what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work out. Okay. Am I okay with that? Sure. get that. Well, let's read all these business books to give myself the best chance of success. Let's surround myself with people who have done it before. And then if it fails, how can I recover? Well, I'll give myself 12 months. And if I fail, well, I've got a few years experience in the corporate world. I've got a, a degree. I can easily just go back to a corporate position somewhere. Maybe not as high paying, but it'll still be paid reasonably well and that'll give me time to make some more earn some more capital and then give this entrepreneurship thing another go if I, if I if i want to so just being realistic about it, asking those questions just makes you realize how unfounded your fears really are again man super practical stuff <laughs> very useful and applicable i like it i like the no nonsense approach um you know, there's a lot of questions I'd love to ask you. I know you have another interview coming up, so I just want to give you like a time check. Um, oh, so good. be aware of that. And I'm just going to throw some stuff at you that I'm curious and you can pick up whatever you want. What for you are some on like just living a good, fulfilling life? And if you could throw out to the world one change, maybe it's a belief, a mindset or whatever to improve the entire global situation, what would you say? Uh, so answering the, 
the question around one thing they could change is really just realizing that we have control over our minds, not external events. And by realizing that we find strength and I'm basically paraphrasing Marcus Aurelius, the Roman philosopher King in his book meditations. Uh, I think far too often we are at the mercy of external stimuli. And if we don't acknowledge the fact that we can choose how we interpret and respond to anything that happens to us, anything we hear, anything that comes into our periphery, we will always be at the mercy of that stuff. So we'll run around in a state of constant anxiety and, and irritability. And I think at a collective level, like in terms of humanity, you know, that's been the reason why so many wars have happened because, you know, back, you know, go back to 1450s Italy, for example, or 1450s Europe, where the homicide rate was about 50 times higher than what it is today. People would go to war because one king said something that another king didn't, or he disrespected me, but it's all just ego, right? So if you cut that out of the equation, if you become more intentional about how you choose to interpret and respond to things, um, just like that example I gave where you got rejected, great. At least I had the balls to have a crack, right? Then it just makes you a lot more content and happier and less likely to snap at people um, who are then going to snap back at you. And if those people tend to be at a high level, whether it's in an organization or in a country, then that can result in wars and all sorts of stuff. So I think that would be the number one thing, being more intentional about how we uh, choose our emotions or how we choose to respond to our emotions. And then in terms of living a fulfilling, happy, complete life, uh, one thing I will say is happiness itself, I think is a fleeting thing. It's a dopamine release in the brain, just like sadness. They're both fleeting. They come and go. I think what we should cultivate is a life of meaning because life, we will have our ups, but we will inevitably have our downs. But when you try and cultivate a life of meaning, uh, you can get through the downs. In fact, the downs mean something when you're doing something meaningful. It's like in business. If I'm working on something that I truly believe in, the purpose is there, we're creating value in the world, we're solving problems. We've got some tough days, some tough months, but because we believe in it, we're going to push through. Uh, so cultivating a life of meaning, I think, is, is critical. Um, so that's something I talk about in the book. I've got five Fs. One is fulfillment. Uh, so that ties back into the meaning piece, doing important work. Uh, freedom would be the next one. And that's not just freedom from things like freedom, say from an office or freedom from a prison or whatever it is, but also freedom to do things, uh, freedom to do the kind of work you want to do, to go snowboarding, you know, in British Columbia or whatever it is. Freedom is a big piece. Uh, the third thing I would say is um, fitness. Uh, so now that's fitness, not just of body, but fitness of mind, uh, body, mind, spirit, everything. Uh, you know, it's no point making a hell of a load of money if you know you're about you're three times over the weight you need to be, or you're like emotionally uh, distraught all the time and irritable and snapping at your employees. Like that's no way to go through life. Um, and then the, the fourth thing would be around family and friends, like really investing the time into those relationships. I think, I think is critical uh, because what's the point of achievement if you have nobody to essentially share it with? I know whenever I achieve something, uh, I can't wait to get on the phone to, to people close to me. Like, hey, man, this just happened. Like, oh, that's awesome. And same with them. They'll, they'll let me know. And I enjoy that. And you enjoy pushing each other. That's really key. Um, I think that was four of the five Fs. So the fifth one is just escaped me. So maybe I, I, I need to have my alpha brain for the day or something. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, again, that's really great. I'm glad I asked that because those are 
uh, all really important. It's, you know, I think it's, it's kind of an overarching philosophy of a way of living and also entrepreneurship and contribution. Um, and I think that is a powerful way to live. Um, we all have the capacity to contribute to our community um, in some sort of meaningful way. And that's kind of what business is. That's what entrepreneurship is, is providing a service. And there are infinite ways to do that if you can open up to the possibility. Um, but ultimately, it's important because it comes back to something that's meaningful for you. And you get to choose that. And you also get to try. It's okay to fail. You know, yeah. like, I think we need to reframe failing, like skateboarding. If you failed, you know, no one skate, you fail all of the time. It's like very rare success. So. Every failure. It's like, what do they say? Either you win or you learn. Right. Uh, and every failure is an opportunity to learn. Like I'm learning to surf at the moment. And every time I head out there, you know, despite the fact that I get knocked off my wave, you know, nine out of 10 times and struggle to catch a wave. Every time you learn a little bit more and you apply that learning and you get a little bit better. And that's, that little bit is enough to motivate you to keep going. Um, and just, you know, Carol Dweck talked about this in her book, Growth Mindset. You know, if you see those setbacks as an opportunity to learn, um, and if you see the fact that you suck as representative of the fact that, hey, you're new to this, you sh- you're supposed to suck, then that's cool. You will get better. Um, you know, Zig Ziglar, the, the famous motivational speaker, used to say that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you can do it well. So you should expect to fail when you're starting out, whether it's skating, surfing, or business, you should expect that. Um, and it just came to me now. The fifth F was finance. So, hey, you got to make money as well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, dude, I really appreciate this conversation. Um, I think there's a ton of value and insight. I definitely invite people to check out your book, check out your work. So where can people find uh, you and what you're doing if they want to get access to the book? And also, I'll sneak in one last question. What is your number one piece of business advice since you're a business guy? <laughs> <laughs> My number one piece of business advice is... So it's really this prioritize the work that matters, automate anything that is process oriented and outsource anything that can't be automated. That will give you more time to invest in your business or to invest in the rest of your life. And that will make you a better business person because you will be happier and more content with the day to day. There's the answer. As far as where people can see me online or find me online, steveglaveski.com, G-L-A-V-E-S-K-I. They can find my companies there, my podcast, Future Squared, my social profiles. And if they go to employee2entrepreneur.io, they can download a free bonus bundle with all sorts of tips and tricks on sales, marketing, productivity, you name it. And um, they can find the book on Amazon. So that's it. Amazing, man. I appreciate that. Well, I'm going to check it out myself. So I'm sure it's going to awesome. be awesome stuff. So I really appreciate the work you're doing, uh, your attitude and the philosophy you're bringing to business because I think it can have a massive impact on the world so everybody check out your work thanks for watching and we'll see you in the next episode thanks brother it's been a pleasure peace man all right guys i hope that you enjoyed that episode with steve glaveski i hope that you did because i certainly did it was just a ton of practical advice i really um enjoyed his just balance of work ethic entrepreneurship and business knowledge with like heart-centered passion-based uh striving and and putting it all together because it really is a yin yang 
uh, process, there is practical things in the world that you need to deal with. And there are ways and hacks and tools and strategies for creating a successful business and a successful life. So I think Steve was super well balanced. Definitely check out his book and everything he's up to. Um, check out his podcast if you're an entrepreneur and you want to learn deep or go more into business, into mindset, into marketing, into all that kind of stuff. There's a ton of great content over there. Check it out. Thank you guys for supporting the show. If you liked it, please share it in Facebook. Um, take a screenshot, share it in Instagram. It helps a ton to get the message out there. Um, you can support on Patreon if you want. It really goes a long way. Even just tossing a buck in the bucket each month really does help. Um, you can go to mattbelair.com. Uh, or patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. And uh, for those of you guys who want to dive in deeper with coaching, I've opened up to more coaching in 2019, and I'm basically helping two groups of people. The first are already high achievers, entrepreneurs, you're successful in business, and you want to learn about flow stake, peak performance, and all of that kind of stuff to really just get to the 1% of the 1%. And as well as those people out there working the 9 to 5, you have a good life, and you want to learn how to transition to um, doing more of your passions and how you would how it would look to live a life where your passion also gave you your income. And uh, I've been working with a lot of people on both of those sides. So if you want to do some training, some coaching, speak to your employees or whatever the case is, just hit me up at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. And I would be super stoked to get to know you and your situation more and help out, help out however I can. So that's it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. So before we end this out, oh, oh yeah, make sure you go to mattbelair.com to sign up for the email list and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but let's close it out by coming to a powerful state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing, taking a deep breath in through your nose, hold that breath, and just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day, coming to a state of peace, contentment, and fulfillment, and total personal empowerment, remembering it, remembering that you are whole, perfect, balanced, harmonious, just as you are. Thank you so much for listening. Go have a tremendous day, and I will see you in the next episode. <laughs>